Wake up with Patty Catter. I love the show. I never miss an episode. It's the best. I turn it on and turn it up. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty Catter. I am your host, Patty Catter. Today's show is sponsored by Building Homes for Heroes. Go to buildinghomesforheroes.org and see how they help our military veterans. Today, I have a military veteran on the show, and he's representing Force Blue. His name is Steve Gonzalez. Welcome, Steve, to the show. Thank you very much, Patty. Yeah, I am very happy to have you here. We met... Um, at an event for Force Blue, and we'll get into that in a little while here. But I would like it if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself when you were growing up. And I am going to give a little teaser. Um, you became a Navy SEAL later, so this is going to be interesting. So Steve, yes, uh, go ahead and fill our guests in on just a little bit about yourself when you were growing up. Sure. So I was uh, born and raised in a quiet little town called New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> Not a lot going on there. No. I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so I was uh, born and raised there. Um, which kind of your average kid uh, played sports? Uh, being in the band is actually kind of cool there, you know, and being in the world's where it's, you know, the home of jazz. Um, so I did everything. So I played sports. I was in the band, uh, just an average student, you know, student council, things like that. Uh, but I knew at an early age, uh, that I wanted to join the military. Uh, my parents were divorced and my grandmother lived with us and I spent a lot of time with her and she would watch the older movies, uh, you know, the World War II movies, the John Waynes and the Jeff Chandlers and things like that. And I would see the characters traveling all around the world. And I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. I don't want to read about Paris. I want to go there. I don't want to read about Italy. I want to go there. So I knew at 14 that I was going to join the Navy. And then um, my senior year, uh, you had delayed entry program where you could sign up, sign up and then leave at a later date. And ironically, I signed up 40 years ago today in the delayed entry program. And uh, yep, sorry. Then I graduated in May, went to the Navy in July of 1982. And um, I initially started off as a machinist. And then my first two years were in Italy, then Florida, then Philadelphia. And then I, as you said, I went off the buds. Wow. So when you were a kid, how were you? I'm kind of curious. Like, were you, did you find yourself like leading all the other kids or were you kind of quiet? I was usually the captain of the, of the sport team. I, you know, if I played uh, football, I was quarterback or running back. A lot of times I was a quarterback. Um, I was usually the captain. Um, I, so I did kind of step into the leadership role quite early. Um, and I think my coaches just, maybe they saw that in me and trusted me with it. And, uh, I was, I was the kind of person who not only did I know what I was supposed to do that play, I knew what every person in every position was supposed to do. So I was almost like a mini coach on the field at times. Wow. So when it was time for you to, um, go off into the military. Did you go to normal boot camp? I'm assuming. Yes, ma'am. I went to San Diego, which is now closed. That's how old I am. Mm -hmm. So I went to boot camp in San Diego. I was 17. My, my birthday falls later in the year. So I was actually 17 years old when I left and went to San Diego. Big culture shock uh, going from New Orleans to San Diego, but also going from 
you know, very close knit family, Spanish Italian family, uh, to thrust into the military where, you know, you're getting barked at and taking orders and, and, uh, changing, you know, giving the civilian out of you and putting the military in. Mm -hmm. So when you were in boot camp, did you think, were you one of the ones that was like, oh man, what did I get myself into? Or were you one of the ones that was like, man, this is awesome. I was excited. I was very excited. I think the structure of playing sports and, uh, and things like that, I was a boy scout. I think that structure prepared me to be in another structured organization. Um, now a, a lot more you know, multiplied many times, but, uh, I was, I was excited. I was very excited. And I, like I said, I, I had my goal of, I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. And I knew that going to boot camp was just a part of that process. Mm -hmm. So was your grandmother still alive when you joined the Navy? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. She was alive. My mother and father were alive. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I was very, very proud to do that. And then when I got to go back, the first time I got to go back, she got to see me in uniform oh. and everything. So that was really neat. I was very, very close to my, to my grandmother. Mm, me too. Grandmas are special. They are. They are. Uh, so you're in the Navy now. And just one day, did you wake up and say, I want to be a Navy SEAL or was it a process? So there were no books or movies or, you know, nothing like that uh, when I first went in. I mean, there were maybe one or two books, but they were probably like on the bottom shelf of the library or in a bookstore. So it wasn't very publicized. Ironically, I wish that we go back that way. That's yeah. a different story. Yeah. But uh, so I didn't know. So then some guys came on, on uh, my ship. They didn't look like us. They didn't act like us. And I said, man, who are those guys? Uh, and one of my buddies said, well, those are Navy SEALs. I was like, what the heck's a seal? And they said, well, go talk to him. So I went over there and talked with him. And I said, that's the job for me. So I went through the process and I had to apply. It took me quite a long time to actually get approved. Um, I actually separated from the Navy, went into the reserves. And then when I checked in, because my first two times I was rejected because my job was so undermanned that big Navy said, we can't let you go. So I was like, you know what? I think I, I think I'm just going to go into college then. Um, so when I checked into my reserve unit, my CEO, uh, she asked me. She said, you know, hey, you did this amount of time. Why did you get out? And I told her I wanted to be a SEAL. And she said, well, if I could help you get it, would you go back in? I said, absolutely. So she helped me, and then it was finally approved, and I went back in and went went off to buds at the very young age of. 32 years old. Woo, you're an old man. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I think I'm like the fourth or fifth oldest graduate ever. Wow. So before you you hit the um SEAL team, you were saying that you had a different MOS. What was that MOS? It was called machinery repairman and okay. it's a machinist. So okay, you that's parts what you said. utilizing lathes and and mills and things like that. Yes, ma'am. So that was a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, what, yeah. So tell yeah. us about buds because, or what you can, because it's top secret. <laughs> it was uh, the easiest way to describe buds. Uh, I heard this before, and this, this is really a great analogy is imagine getting kicked in the groin every day for six months, knowing that the next day you have to wake up and say, you know what, here it comes and you got to take it. And then the next day, here it comes again. And it's just, it's evolution after evolution. And uh, it's very challenging by design. Um, 
And uh, for, but for me being older, it was a little easier mentally because mm-hmm. I was older. Uh, like they would, you know, say, we're going to stay out in the water until somebody quits. And I would say, no, we're going to stay out in the water because you have a chart that says this is the water temperature. We can only stay out in the water for this long. <laughs> you know, then we have to get up, warm up and then get back down. So I was able to do that. But on the flip side, it was a lot harder at 32 years old physically because uh, the young bucks, you know, the 18, 19 year old kids, they just the next day they're ready to go. Whereas a little stretching, a little more ice, a lot of water vitamin m motrin uh so yeah so it was a harder physically but just a little bit easier mentally mm-hmm. i was talking to a 27 year old young man over the weekend and he was asked he, actually ken was with me my husband you guys for those who don't know um he was in recon and they trained a little bit with the seals um mm-hmm. so one of the things that ken was telling this kid was uh, about the swimmers um, I don't know what you call it, but where you have your full uniform on, your rucksack on, your hands are tied behind your back and stuff. Um, and this kid was like, why would they do that to you? Um, a lot of our military know why, but could you tell our listeners about why they have such hard training? Sure. You have to be comfortable in the water. SEALs, we own the water. SEAL stands for sea, air, and land. But the majority of our operations take place in the water. So you have to be comfortable in the water. And it's called drown proofing, uh, which is quite an odd name. Uh, so yeah, they, they tie your feet and hands together. You have to go in the pool. You have to perform a certain, certain amount of exercises. Let's just see who can remain calm because it's not a natural act to get in the water with your feet and hands tied together. How do you respond? How cool can you be? Uh, and then be honest, that sets you up. Once you once you complete that that test, it's a confidence builder to where you know what, hey, I handle that. I can definitely do more and more and more. And you will be challenged in buds more and more and more. And then later in your career, even though you finish buds, that's great, but you're going to be challenged even more and more and more in the water. So it's just to, to see who can remain calm. And then once you do, like I said, it's a confidence builder to know that you can remain calm in a very unnatural act. Right. That's a lot of mindset training that they give you. Right. Yes, um, because I know for me, throw me in the water with my hands and legs tied together. And I'm like, see, I'm dead. Bye. <laughs> right. yeah. And we would lose yeah. guys. We, we started off with uh, 176 guys and graduated 30. Uh, and you know, you, you lose guys for that and other, other evolutions. You'll lose guys. And the nine out of 10 times, I shouldn't say nine out of 10, but the majority of the time, I think those guys could have passed mm-hmm. if they if they got over the mental block. Yes, mm-hmm. ma'am. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest thing that you did, I'll say, in the military? What was that? Um, the hardest thing for me, I'll use BUDS first and then I'll go on. So the hardest thing mm-hmm. for me in BUDS was drown proofing because I was very negative at that time. I was very, I had no body fat at that, at that time. So I was very negative. So to learn to relax with my feet and hands tied was, was a challenge. I had to learn to all right, calm down because I am a very uh, intense guy, very always on the go. So to control everything and just all right, relax, uh, that was a major hurdle for me. And, and once I passed it, oh, my God, I was just elated. Uh, so that was the hardest thing in BUDS. And then later on in my career, um, 
geez, there's so many, so many instances where where I was involved in in certain things. Um, I think maybe the the next biggest thing that comes to mind is being a leader, being the troop chief, and having 40, 40 plus individuals responsible for you uh, under your command, along with my troop commander, and uh, leading them into combat, leading them into battle, and just trying to make the right choices to ensure that uh, I deployed with my guys and I came home with my guys. Um, and so that was, that was very challenging. And, and, uh, and, and we did have uh, one guy who was wounded and to that was in 2010. And to this day, I will still every now and then like, all right, what, what could I have done better? What could mm-hmm. I have done better to, to make sure that he didn't, uh, he wasn't wounded. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to do that to ourselves. And I think in a mm-hmm. lot of different situations. Um, so you were in combat. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And yes, ma'am. one of the things that um that I really admire about you is that you can openly speak about things like stress after war and um about your experiences and that you're so just very uh what do you call it? I guess just very transparent. I I like that a lot because sometimes in the military, you know, you're taught so hard to, you have to be a leader. So you can't really have any faults. And some people look at having stress as a fault or admitting that you've had stress or any kind of um, post-traumatic stress, maybe even after combat. So what do you tell maybe some of our military who are listening, who they're still dealing with some post-traumatic stress? Do you, have you coped with it? And how did you cope with it? So I had an experience uh, which wasn't like in the, in the in in the overall scheme of combat. I've been in a lot more situations. This just happened to be something that triggered me. Uh, it was in the middle of the night. We're sleeping. Uh, woke up to to gunfire, which, as you can imagine, is not how you want to wake up. Yeah. Uh, and that was in two thousand and two, out, out, uh, outside of Kandahar, two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it, but that had impacted me. Uh, I did not process it. And for 10 years, I would wake up at three o'clock, which when, was when, when that happened. Every night I would wake up at three o'clock. I was extremely hypervigilant. Um, and I would sleep from, I'd say, 10 or 11 o'clock at night to three o'clock in the morning and then wide awake. Mm-hmm. Your body can't do that. Your body can't survive on that. So it wasn't until 10 years later that I was at the senior enlisted academy down in, and down in J, uh, JSAL, down in Tampa. And uh, they brought in Dr. Carrie Elk, who uh, she had spoken about PTSD and things like that. And before then, I was like every one of my guys, like PTSD, that's for wimps, that's for guys mm-hmm. who can't handle it, believe in the same old stuff. As she was giving her brief, I literally thought she was holding up my biography and reading things that the symptoms that I had. So afterwards, I just went and talked with her. And I said, Hey, you know what, I, I think that I may be, uh, you know, afflicted with, with some of the things you're describing. And um, I went and saw her and um, dealt with it. And uh, in that part, that thing that trigger, we were able to process that I left her office at six o'clock that night. And I slept for the first time in 10 years, wow. from seven to seven and didn't move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I was out. And um, so that really helps me. And, and it, it showed me that, you know what, even though we can 
overcome many things physically, which most, you know, special operators can, all, you know, all my teammates here, most special operators can overcome physically and mentally. There are some things that you do need help with. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful for her uh, to, to have done that. And I'm grateful for everybody who reaches out to our, our, um, our warriors who might need help. So I would advise anybody who thinks, you know what, it can't happen to me, or I don't have that, or, you know, I'll be soft if I go to my command or, or whatever, you're not alone. And there are, there are some of the guys who were heroes in my world, guys that I looked up to who were, I've done a lot of stuff in my career. These are guys who have done 10 times more. And I've heard them talk about seeking treatment. And I said, you know what, if this guy can do it, then, then I know I can too. So I hope that somebody listening says, you know what, if the old goofy master chief can say, you know what, reach out and get some help, then maybe, maybe I can too. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, tell our listeners about Force Blue. Sure, sure. So Force Blue, so we're a nonprofit, 501c3. And what we do is we take former special operations divers, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Rangers, uh, Recon Marines, and Air Force Pararescue. And uh, we work with our scientific partners to impact the marine environment. We do everything from coral restorations to sea turtle assessment missions, which is really cool, to um, marine debris cleanup, which Ken participated in. So, uh, you know, just all kinds of missions. And uh, the, 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 I would say the sky is the limit, but actually I'll go, you know, the, the ocean floor is the limit. So, uh, and, and then that's what we do. And it's, it's free for the member. So they have to be a member of SOCOM or a veteran of SOCOM. And uh, they have to be dive qualified, which most are. And they can reach out at, at uh, check us out at forcebluteam.org if that's something they're interested in. Reach out and say, hey, I'd like to volunteer. And it's an amazing thing. It, it, it truly is amazing. It's, it's amazing for me as a special projects and events director to set up these events and see guys come out and just see the transformation from when they first get there and they're like, oh man, I don't know. I haven't dove in a while and I don't know about this. And you know, and then to see the just the transformation in one day of how they come out of the water and they're just elated and just so, I mean, just the look of joy on their face. Because as you know, as your husband and, and all our other veterans, uh, we're called to serve, whether it's Marines, Army, Navy, you know, Air Force, we're called to serve. Force Blue allows our veterans to continue to serve, whether they did four years, eight years, 34 years, such as myself, gives them a way to continue to serve. And that's what I love best about being a member of it. Yeah, I think it was you, but I can't bet money on it, that during the event that we were at, we watched the movie about Force Blue. Mm-hmm. And after the movie, we had like a Q&A time. And yes. one of the veterans, I'm pretty sure it was you, said that they enjoyed um, replanting the coral because mm-hmm. right away you can see a difference. Can you tell our listeners just a quick snippet about that? Sure. Yep. So that was our uh, our uh, 100 Yards of Hope. It's our project off the Key Biscayne. And we worked with the NFL and some other, other organizations. And we were replanting 100 yards of coral for the football field for the Super Bowl in Miami. And you're absolutely right, it was me. So I, I, I took a piece of coral and then we, I planted it with my scientific partner. And then you reach back to grab another piece of coral. And by the time I came back to plant that one, 
there was already marine life there, already fish, just enjoying it, nipping at it, feeding off of it, just investigating it and everything. And I've done a lot of things in my career, just as most of our veterans have. But to, to really see something that you've done at instant impact right then and there was amazing. I mean, truly amazing. And, and it's something that will stick, stick with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. That was just incredible that the um, imagery and the hundred years or hundred yards of hope also was fantastic. Um, Can people watch that uh, like online or something, or do they need to go to these events? How do they they watch it? So that's a great question. So right now we're doing it by screenings. We have a couple of more screenings coming up in Coral Gables. We have one on the 20th of this month, and then we're going to have one on November 13th at the Deering Estates. Um, the NFL is hopefully trying to host another one by uh, Salute for Soldiers uh, at next year's Super Bowl. So right now we're doing private screenings, but we hope to eventually get it to where it's a public documentary that everyone can can uh, can can watch. Uh, if anyone has any contacts with Amazon or Netflix, let me know. <laughs> but uh, no, we'd love you know we'd love to have the people the public to be able to see uh, this wonderful project which you saw. But but see the impact, see see the 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 joy, the impact that your special operation veterans are doing with our scientific partners. Remind me of the Amazon thing after we're done here, okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, all right. So, how can people who are not military get involved or donate? So they can go to forcebootteam.org. We always have our events there, and you don't. The majority of our team. Or special operations veterans. However, we have, for instance, when we had to dive in, in Tampa um, at Anna Maria Island, we had local divers come out and be a part of that team as well. So if they'd like to dive, there, there's a, a check in there and they can volunteer there. Uh, or if they'd like to come out, because we always have a beach component also, we'll always do the, the waterborne component and then the beach component where we clean up, pick up trash, uh, plant grass, do, do all kinds of things that we can to uh, to impact our environment. So yeah, so forcebootteam.org, check it out and, and uh, see what event you might want to volunteer at. Okay, and do you ever take volunteers who say, hey, I want to lead a beach cleanup? Do you do that? Yes, ma'am. Yep, they can do the same thing. They can go there and uh, and contact them or they can contact me. It's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. It's steve at forcebootteam.org and shoot me an email. Say, hey, I live in this area. We'd really like to have Force Blue come into come into our area and maybe do a a mission there, um, and we can investigate. And, and if everything works out well, hopefully put that mission on. And uh, we also have other things. If, if I, hey, I can't dive, I'm unable to make it to a coastal event or an event event. We also have other ways that you can support. Uh, it is a nonprofit, so we do work off of donations, but we also have gear that people can buy. And, uh, and that supports us as well. So mm-hmm. there's a great way, there's many ways that, that uh, everyone can support our veterans who are continuing to make an impact uh, in, our, in, our, uh, in our environment. What about the veteran who hasn't dove in a while and like Ken, he, he wasn't sure if he could do it because he didn't know if it was gonna impact his ears, he's had back surgeries. And you guys were so patient with him, but do you ever take some of the um, SOCOM guys out who haven't been in a while? Mm-hmm. Typically, because we, yeah, because we want to get them back in the mix. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the guys, and I had a friend of mine who, uh, who uh, 
once again, I thought this guy's good to go. He's, he's, he's adjusted well to being, you know, after he retired, when he came to our mission, he just matter of fact, he said, you know what? I really need this Gonzo. I haven't had this sense of teamwork. I haven't had the sense of camaraderie since I got out. And I was like, I was taken back. I was like, wow. And so, but he hadn't dove in a while. So we got him retrained up and, uh, and now he's splashing with us. But we're also going to start a program uh, for veterans who want to utilize their GI Bill. Mm-hmm. They can get that qualified through Force Blue, or, well, through NAWI with yeah. Force Blue. And, and they're going through training with their veterans, with their fellow veterans. So it's a little easier for them. And uh, yes, ma'am. So we have that initiative as well. So that's, that's going to be coming down the pipe soon. Yeah, literally, Ken said there is no way he would have went with anybody else. Like no way at all. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm glad he did because I, once again, I can see it. I can see, you know, and, and sorry, Ken, if you're listening, I knew that you were a he little does not worried. Listen. Okay. Well, I knew he, you know, you had mentioned that he might've been a little worried, yeah. you know, about, about diving for the first time in, in, a, in a couple of years, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it's, we do that, you know, we have, we have highly certified Naui instructors who will help our veterans get back into the water and get, you know, get back into that groove. And, and even if they only volunteer once with us and they do that and they go on their own, at least they're back in the environment. At least they're back doing something, doing something that we were trained to do and that we, a lot of us love to do now that it's not in a combat environment. So mm-hmm. by all means, have them feel free to reach out and, and contact us and hopefully we can help them out. Right. You know, it's a huge difference for like you were mentioning the combat situation versus what you're doing now. Um, Most of the time when Ken would dive, you know, he's looking for bodies or weapons and um, it's dark, murky water. And you guys go to some really beautiful places. Yes, ma'am. I mean, I've dove all around the world, some uh, just cold, dark places and to be able to dive, most of our dives are in Florida and the visibility is amazing. And, you know, just, you see the marine environment and see the, the marine life, you know, fish, uh, huge fish, small fish, squids, crabs, sharks. You know, me, if the shark doesn't bite me, I won't bite him mm-hmm. or her. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is amazing. And, and it's so much fun. So much fun. It's amazing. One of the uh, sponsors that you guys have is Living Coral uh, Wine. And let me say this stuff is great. I saved my bottle until I was going to have your interview. So tonight nice. we're having some wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they've been fantastic. It's Innovation Brands is the company who owned it. And Living Coral is one of their wines. And the, a portion of the proceeds from each bottle come directly to, uh, to Force Blue. And they've been fantastic. And uh, to get a Navy SEAL talking about a rosé wine, mm-hmm. you know it's got to be good. But as we like to refer to it as a brosé wine, but it's delicious. Yeah, it's very delicious. And it's for a great cause. And, and the bottle is beautiful. Everything that they did about that shows their commitment to uh, to caring for Mother Ocean and our coral reefs. Mm-hmm. It really is good. Um, this is actually the my favorite wine that I've, I've never tasted a wine so good. So oh, awesome. I really like it. Yeah. So, Steve, um, what is what well, we kind of talked a little bit about your trials, but I want to point out one specific trial that you've had and how you overcome that. I would say the uh, the trial of, like I said, overcoming that that situation that led to significant PTS. So much of that, people don't understand how much it impacts your life. Uh, there's a fantastic book, and I'm sure you've probably read it, On Killing 
by Colonel Grossman. And he talks about the importance of sleep. Well, I went for 10 years without that sleep and just the second and third order effects of how it impacted my life, but also just understanding how PTS leads you to not believing that there's a future. I was positive that I was not going to see my daughter graduate high school. I was positive that I would never see walk her down the aisle. I knew it was in, in, in me. I just, I, I just had that feeling that I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, and I just powered through. I literally just powered through. I was like, okay, this is the way it is. I would take Ambien at night, uh, self-medicate. You know, I, I freely admit that I self-medicated. I took Ambien, uh, alcohol to try to fall asleep. And I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and just my brain went a mile a minute. So being able, and this led into, I was married before. And, I, and I've actually had a long talk with my former spouse about how that dealing with that, and or should I say, not dealing with that led to a lot of our problems and our eventual demise of our marriage. Um, so to be able to get that help was monumental in just processing it, filing it, and being able to really just open my eyes and just enjoy the beauty that our, that our world has to offer because I was as dark as dark could be and just to see the beauty of, of the world. And now, um, you know, my daughter is 17. She's in her senior year going off to college and just enjoying that process and just looking forward to, to retiring with my wife and, 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 and things like that. So uh, that would be the, probably the biggest challenge that I've had in my life. One of the, one of the biggest challenges and to be able to, to get that help and then move forward um, and truly enjoy life and now turn around and, and hopefully show, hey, look, if the old E9, if the old Master Chief can get help, then, then I can get help too. So hopefully I can take, take that and help someone else who might be struggling and say, you're not alone. I mean, you don't ever think that you're alone. Uh, reach out, get some help, get some quality drug-free help. And, um, and then, and then you can enjoy life as well. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you. And could you share the website one more time? Sure. It's forcebluteam.org. And that's going to be on the screen. If you're watching, it will be in our notes. If you missed it, if you're driving and Steve, how, what is your email one more time? It is Steve at forcebluteam.org. Excellent. And feel free to call me Gonzo. Everybody calls me Gonzo. In fact, if somebody calls my house and they ask for Steve, I know they want to talk to me about the, about the extended warranty on my car. Mm -hmm. So just call me Gonzo. I'll just call you baby. <laughs> um, Steve. You text, you, you, you text the wrong person or something like that. So thank you very much. Yes. Uh -huh. Steve, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Steve uh, was texting his wife and I just happened to text him right after and he accidentally called me baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was pretty funny because like we know each other now, but you know, when you're just meeting somebody, he was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I did that one other time to a guy friend of mine, same situation. And while I was talking to my wife, hung up the phone, he called right then and there. And you know how you, you probably do the same thing with Ken. You're like, all right, love you. Bye. Mm -hmm. You know, and I did. And I said, all right, love you, baby. Bye. And when, oh, I, when I hung and was, yeah, he's a really good friend of mine from Tallahassee. And I said, all right, love you, baby. Bye. And I hung up the phone. I said, and I, I, I called him right back and he goes, what was that? I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that was like, that was like maybe 
10 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and to this day, he's still the same thing. Like, all right, baby. I'm like, God, dog it. <laughs> That's that? okay. It livens life up a little bit, makes it a little it more does. funny. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much, Steve, for being on the show. You're awesome. Um, I appreciate you. I know our listeners do too. And I know that they're going to just love this show. If you're listening or watching, be sure to share this episode with all your friends and family. And uh, Steve, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you very much. Everyone have a blessed day. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. Until next time, I'm Patty Catter. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Follow Patty at Patty Catter on Facebook and Instagram. Get social. You can now watch Wake Up with Patty Catter on Amazon TV and Roku. It's the only podcast I listen to. Be sure to check out Patty's apparel line, The Patriotic Mermaid at thepatrioticmermaid.com and on social media at The Patriotic Mermaid. I love it.